besides the screen you spent most of your time staring at this week, chances are you are also captivated by a big screen video installation. From billboards to scoreboards, we inform and entertain audiences with our big screen solutions. Visit bigscreenvideo.com.au to see how BSV can bring your space to life. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. With the NRL back in full force in International Rugby League, not far away from making a return to our shores, we've got to remember the game breeze, um, its own life up up in the far north of uh, the world where people forget about it, that cold place that um, my mate's gone to live in. Super League is humming, and later this year the UK plays host the Rugby League World Cup which is well overdue. It was the 2021 World Cup, but Carl likes to call it the 2022 World Cup, but we'll argue about that later. He's a great mate of mine. I took him to the UK in 89, and he's never come home. He's now the top CEO <laughs> of Doncaster. He's uh, the, the ex-vice president of the RFL. Mate, he's even good mates with Mike Tyson. He's on the line now. He says hello. How you going, Hawley? How you going, boy? Yeah, all good, brother. All good, mate. It's a way. Well, nice good to, little introduction there. Thank you. <laughs> good to see you. <laughs> haven't lost your Kiwi accent either, son. I know when you talk to me, you try and roll out that Yorkshire accent. But uh, mate, just tell us what have you been doing. Uh, oh, mate, we've been busy with the World Cup stuff. But if you know what I've been doing this week, I've gone right back to uh, the days when you brought me here, and the last two weeks or week and a half is school holiday camp. So. My legacy officer booked the uh, kids in for two weeks and then took two weeks' holiday, so <laughs> I had to step up. And, <laughs> and I've been coaching the school kids the last uh, week and a half, mate, which I've enjoyed it. It's it's made me go right back to how I got to where I am today. And so, you know, it's it's brought back some good memories and I like, like to give something back. So just take us quickly through that, mate. I know you can talk underwater with a mouthful of marbles, but... Just just tell us a little bit about where you come from, your junior days, and how you ended up in the UK. Yeah, well, obviously I'm a Mount Albert boy, played for Mount Albert, and um, played for the Auckland junior teams, and then got in the junior Kiwis with you, and we came over to England. Um, fell in love with the place, as you know, I, I did. Um, come back, and we were playing, uh, I went down to Canterbury, and we were playing, um, we were in the hotel, and me and Andrew Vincent just started ringing all the clubs in England to see if we could, um, if there was a start over here. And as soon as we mentioned your name, we got in at Donny. So that, that was, <laughs> everything else takes care of itself. <laughs> right. Oh, uh, hey, Carl is you? here, mate. Great. He is the king. He's come onto this show and he's brought some uh, good laughter, great. Great insights and some uh, wonderful calls on the game of rugby league, mate. And we love having him on the show. But uh, when he took you over in '89, mate, what, what did you stay and he came home? Why wasn't it the other way around? <laughs> oh, he listen. We came over just to have a bit of fun, and I, I love the place. Um, just mm. just the way they treated us, and you know, all the people were friendly, and I don't know, it was. I just thought this is this is me, you know. It was like playing at Carlow Park every week, and it was at Tattersfield, and it was a pretty run-down old joint. But 
you know, when you were playing in New Zealand, you only the main game was at Carlo Park. Well, we were playing there every other week over here, so I thought, yeah, this will do me. Hey, Hawley, you've got, um, you know, you had that Pacifica uh, group of players over there. How are all the boys going in the Super League, all your, all the Pacifica boys? Give us an update on Connie Harrell, Thomas Luluai, um, and and also you're, you're catching up with your good mate Freddie Tuolagi, whose boy plays in the in the centres for the English Rugby Union team. How's that all going on? Yeah, well, good timing, oh, because we're um, we're just about to announce a thirty-man squad for the the All Stars game against England, and um, on the eighteenth of June, uh, got Ellery in there. Uh, I spoke to Al. We had Tim Sheen's coaching last year, um, and mate, he was great. And then obviously he's gone back to the Tigers. So we got uh, Ellery in. Uh, I spoke to Al and and see if Al would coach them this year, um, knowing that the boys would love him. Um, and Ellery's just been calling all the Kiwi boys and the Island boys over the last two days because he's going to announce a 30-man squad. So they're all good, mate. Um, I think Conrad's going going well at St. Helens and Will Hopuari and, and those guys. One bloke who's, who's going really well this year is that Mason Lino. He's at Wakefield you know, coached by Willie Pochin, he said to say hello to you too, bro. Nice. Um, so he's he's done really well uh, this year. He, I think he it was a bit tough for him last year, but he's found his feet and he's he's one of the main halfbacks over here at the moment. Um, along with that, that Calippi at Wakefield's going good, and there's quite a few of the boys at um, Halifsby as well. Carlos, uh, Chris Sarte, uh, Manu Mel. And they're all going well. They're all few, going well. few Warriors boys' names in there. Oh, Mason Lino, I always thought he was going to be a good halfback for mm. the Warriors eventually. Uh, good to hear him. And Willie Poaching, we know, that used to carve up back here in New Zealand. Now a good coach at Wakefield. Mate, must be excited about Samoa coming over to the World Cup. Uh, take us through how, you'll, how your city got to host them. Yeah, well, listen, we we missed out on, um, on getting a game in 2013, but... Um, Obviously, as you know, with Kevin and Tony Iroh, they were with the Cook Islands and the Kiwis. We had a friendly here. I brought a friendly here to Donny um, the week before the World Cup started, and we hosted them here. So that went well. Um, obviously, I just went and spoke to the mayor and the CEO, who's now the CEO in Wellington, uh, Joe Miller, um, and said, listen, we want to try and bring World Cup in 2000." And 21, um, mm. as you say, 22, but it is 21 World Cup. <laughs> um, <laughs> because World Cup comes around every four years, mate, so it's got to keep in line with that because France had got it in 25. So I uh, spoke to the council. They backed us. Um, the mayor backed us. Everyone was on board. And as you know, in Donny, if, like the mayor said, when we were in the meeting, to the World Cup people, if you're speaking to Carl Hall, you're speaking to me. We're all together here. Mm. So we were, we thought we'd get a game. Um, and one thing we promised them would fill the game, you know, fill the stadium. That's what they were worried about. Uh, our bid was that good, and we went that hard, and we went global and got everyone back in us. Um, we ended up getting three games. So. With that well comes expectation, so we've got to um, full three games now, and they're not probably the most attractive games, you know. But 
uh, Greece and France and Samoa and Greece and then the big one PNG and um, Wales. So it'll be hard, you know, with, with the just from where they come from. There's, you know, if we had New Zealand, England, easy. Um, but we're also hosting Samoa here in Donny, which is huge for us. What about the delay, um, Carl? Obviously, we're, we're a year delay. Has that caused any disruptions with the organisation, or have you been able to probably do things that you would probably weren't able to do if if the World Cup was in October? Have you? Um, has it caused any kind of setbacks for you? Uh, for us, it's, for us, we didn't stop. You know, when obviously there was the COVID and all that, and you know, I said to our team here, listen, we just crack on with the schools and. We don't do. We stop when uh, they tell us it's not going to be on. So we went right through it. I think we we sort of helped the teachers here in Dummy because they didn't know what to do with their kids, and we were doing a lot of the uh, resource of the World Cup stuff. So for us, it was good. Uh, we've, we've the, the kids in Dummy have learned the Siva Tao and all that sort of stuff. So they'll, they'll be great, as you know. They did the haka to the boys when they came um, in 2013. But I think it was the right call because it, you know, no crowds and it went ahead with it, no crowds. Um, what it has done is made us all do a lot more. We can, you know, put a lot more into the school kids and all that. And you know, these kids in Donny still talk about the Kiwis and that when they came in 13. So you know what the Samoa boys are like when they get into the schools and start doing some stuff with them. This will live long in their memories for many, many years. Mm. Hey, mate, well, thanks for taking the time. I know it was pretty hard to get you off the training paddock uh, uh, this morning. You know, you, I know you're still out there doing 400s and pumping big big weights in the gym. You're looking fantastic. Um, mate, give, give all my best to Ellery Hanley too, mate. I haven't, haven't um, seen him for a while and say hello. Uh, wish you all the best, Hawley. In Doncaster, I just got one shout out for you, yeah. Ed from Tolliga Bay here, mate. Said he played schoolboy Kiwis with you. Do you remember? Do you remember Ed from the East Coast? Um, no, mate. No, he's the dementia set, Listen, no. Mate, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm getting a bit old now. I'm getting a bit old now. I forget about those things, mate. I can't even remember who you are. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't worry, mate. You're wearing my crown. I'll come back one day and pick it up. All right. Good to talk to you, brother. Okay. Good to see you, man. Talk soon. Surfing. There's not a man that loves a long rolling right that he can smack the lip off. More on New Zealand there, Ricardo. Rick Dog Christie. And with Cyclone hitting Gizzy at the moment, he's probably getting the witty on as we speak because he's as mad as they come, as our, our mate Rick. And uh, he's the last man that was on the WSL Championship Tour. He's currently in Gizzy selling real estate too, doing a great job in G-Town. And he is a good friend of mine. I welcome him on the show, Ricardo Christie. Good morning, brother. Morning, Cuzzy. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> going good, hey. bro. Going good. Got Tony Kemp on the show with me morning, and Louie Herman Watt, mate. Yeah, uh, bro. How, how you? How you going? How's, how's Gizzy? Talk us through the weather, mate. Is, is it all good? Is it, has it hit yet? Uh, yeah. Kind of turned to shit last night, eh? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's not that great out there. I um, I got up early, the crack of dawn, to see what was going on because there was rumours of some swell coming, but it's kind of dead flat 
and just one day and pouring down with rain. <laughs> bit of a stitch up. That's a, yeah, that's a bit of a stitch up, mate. Are you expecting um, posters? I know after a bit of a weather bomb, all the surfers and gizzy yourself included get excited. Is there going to be any swell coming through in posters? Um, there's, like there was supposed to be, but um, I don't know. Maybe it's been overhyped like most things lately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey Rick, it's Kempi, mate. Hey, just um Hey bro. Hey bro, how you going? You know I'm a mad keen yeah, surfer, bro. Um just take us through oh. like because a lot of the pub public wouldn't have a clue, bro. How hard was it to get on the WSL? Because I know working with Ella for such a long time and trying to get her onto the women's tour, how hard was it yeah. for you actually to get around the world and win all those um C T events to, to get the numbers to get on the WSL? Uh, yeah, man. Um, it was, it was a challenge. Um, yeah, to put sure, it's, it's pretty crazy looking back and actually realizing what I had to do to do it. Um, when I was, when I was a hundred percent immersed in it, you know, that's just what I was doing. I was just head down doing whatever it took, but looking back and then I've been working with, um, working with a couple young groms who are trying to do the same. And just trying to simplify my process a lot because I feel like I was just doing a whole bunch of different things. But, um, you know, I kind of had to learn for myself as I went along. Um, so trying to simplify that process for them has been quite an interesting way to look back at what I did. Um, but, yeah, essentially you've got to travel around the world for the majority of the year and be away from home, you're, you know, you don't have that support system. You, you, the majority of the time you're away, you're hanging out with your competitors and there's just a lot of things that you've got to get comfortable with um, before you can really be at your peak performance. Um, and yeah, just, it's not easy in NZ as a surfer because there's not much support there because uh, it is, you know, it mm. is an individual sport and, you know, it's not your usual kind of sporting code. So there's a lot of challenges and, yeah, you just got to be determined and push through all those challenges and, and yeah, I was stoked to get on there. Yeah. Um, in retros- yeah, it was a mission. <laughs> in retrospect, mate, I just, want to, I just want to say, like, every surfer in New Zealand when you got on that tour, Rick, had the TV on and was watching and rooting for you and just couldn't believe that we had finally our, our Kiwi man standing up on top of the waves with everyone else around the world. Just what was it like, mate? You know, like what was it like getting the wave to yourself in around the world at the right time, Chopes, you know, Bells Beach, and getting out there and just knowing that you're in amongst the best in the world and that you you were competing in the top, what was it, 15 back then, was it? 15 or 16? Uh, yes, I was top 32 when I was on. Um, I think it still is, but yeah, you've got to, in order to get in there, you've got to be in the, you've got to place in the top 10 in the, the challenger series, they call it now. Um, so you get in the top 10 and then you qualify for the top 32 or 34. So, um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was incredible. I remember the, the, the first event that I did, um, on the Gold Coast, I was just in awe. I was all of a sudden, um, like, like the qualifying series is one that's a beast that you've got to conquer. Um, 
Mm. But you, you really get to know everyone who you're competing against. And <clears throat> it's just a whole bunch of grinders just, you know, doing what they can to qualify. But then when you, once you get to that next level, you're surrounded by your, your heroes. You know, that, that first event, I was, I was hanging around with Fanning, Joel Parkinson, Taj Burrow, Kelly Slater. Like, yeah. These are my heroes that I've just idolised my whole life. And then all of a sudden I'm, you know, just around them, like all the time. You know, we're all hanging in the area and, you know, going out to dinner and having beers after a surf. Like, it's just <laughs> a crazy... <laughs> it's a it's such a such a dramatic change from being on the QS on the qualifying series to being at that level. Everyone's a lot more calmer. Everyone's sorted. Everyone's just really focused on being the best athlete that they can be. Um, whereas on the qualifying series, you're just trying to get by, mate. You're just mm. you're on the hustle. You're grinding. <laughs> so um, it was it was pretty cool. Yeah, Rick, I was, uh, I was able to witness the commitment that you had to put in, mate, to get on that WSL, and uh, I vividly remember sitting in Hawaii with you, mate, and we were just talking about it, you were just about to crack it, and the, just the grind and the hustle that you've had to put in, mate, and uh, I was one of those guys that were proud as seeing you um, on the big stage and, and fulfilling your dreams, mate, and, and surfing extremely well. What about, what about when you're on the tour, mate? What was your, what was your favourite event? What was your favourite event or favourite surf spot to surf? Um, Chopu, the scary Chopu in Tahiti, mate. Like, tell us a bit about that. Yeah, that that wave is um, really frightening. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the last the last year I was on uh, a few years few years back, it was there was a massive um, yep. west swell, and I had a heat. I'd never. I've never seen it like that. Um, I don't know how big you'd, you'd call it. It was solid eight to ten foot, west, really west swell. So it, it so it looks like a, a proper closeout onto dry reef. You've got to kind of get in the barrel and then come out before the the dry reef at the end. But I was sitting in the channel before my eight, and I was just like, "Holy shit!" Like, <laughs> I like. I was I was watching people paddling into these waves going, wow, they're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> they, were, they, were, they were pulling in and, and coming out, getting spat out of these barrels and pulling off the back. And I was like, nah, like, I can't do that. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <messed up>. we just... <laughs> so I paddle into this heat and I've, I've got, I've got Geordie Smith, man on man. And then there's an overlapping heat going on. Julian's out there with, someone else and and I was just like wow like I've actually got to take off on one of these things <laughs> otherwise like the whole world's watching me like I can't not take off take one yeah <laughs> but, um, I'm gonna get a hiding was, oh 100% well it's just I've never you know because I've never been there at, when it was like that it was just all new for me and I was learning on the fly in a heat um, but mm. so that's what I'm trying to that's what I'm trying to get at with these these younger kids that I'm working with, like in a, as a mentor kind of thing. I'm like, all right, well, don't put yourself in my position. Make sure that you go to Tahiti, and and so you're comfortable when you do get to the tour. Mm. Um, go to yeah. these go to these spots and really get yourself 
yeah, in that space where if you are competing against the, the best in the world, you you know exactly how to do it. Um, mm. And I guess that because you're chasing this world qualifying series for so long, you've got to kind of commit to that. And it's so, the way that they've done it, it just doesn't really make sense because you go around the world mm. surfing these little crappy waves to try and get onto the tour. And then you get onto the tour, waves are like Chopu, J-Bay, Bells, <laughs> like all these incredible waves. So, um, well, yeah, right, right, you're going to get, yo, you're going to get cut off in about 10 seconds, bro. So I'm going to have to say goodbye and thank you so much, but mate, love that chat. It was outstanding. I'll text you right now, brother. Take care. <laughs> all right, bro. <laughs> love you, bro. bro. <laughs> you too. Uh, uh we're going to have a wee tack left. We're going to talk some rugby union right now and it's time for our Mick Cafe coffee catch up because he's been credited by many, including myself, as the best best coach to step on the rugby field. He's got a CV which adds up to a lifetime of success. And the Black Ferns and NZR have come up with a major addition when they announced Wayne Smith would be stepping in to assist their coaching group ahead of this year's Women's Rugby World Cup. And I'm stoked to have him on the show this morning. Smithy, Wayne, the mantis, the goat, Knows how to get anyone going, and well, trainings are harder than any test match that I play when you're under Wayne Smith, and he's on the show this morning. Morning, Smithy. Morning, Izzy. How are you going? How are you, mate? Good, good, Smithy. You, how you doing? You, how you going, mate? Better, you, well, I hope you better behave these days. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Smithy. Tell us a couple you, of stories. What do you mean? <laughs> No, I meant I'm, I'm in the training. No, no, I wasn't talking about a private life. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Smitty, tell me yarn about when we were warming up. Me, me, me and Corey were warming up and we were offloading. We were, every ball, no balls touched the ground, but you ripped me up. You ripped me to shreds. Me and Corey weren't allowed to warm up ever again under your watch. <laughs> I can't remember that. That, that might have been Ted did that. <laughs> no, that was you. That was you in the 2011 World Cup. I'll never forget it. We weren't allowed to warm up for the entire World Cup. Anyway, we weren't allowed to do anything after what went on in that quarterfinal. But we won't bring that up, mate. Um, no. Tell us about. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> tell us about how you getting on, mate. How was um, how's it been getting back into the coaching realm? And the, and you had a big camp last week with the Black Ferns. How talk us through the week? Was it was it a good week to um to get some things done with with you and the girls? Well, it's it's been interesting because um, essentially I'm retired. You know, mm. I make a cup of coffee at seven o'clock in the morning and go back to bed. And Trish and I sit there and look at the sea and think about what we're going to do today. So, you know, pretty rusty, <laughs> mate. Going, going back into yeah. full time coaching, um, but I loved the week. What I loved most about mm. it was the players, the girls. You know, when you're presenting something or you're talking about the game, they sit on the edge of the seat and they got shining eyes. You know, they, they really want to learn. And so um, I came back pretty excited, actually. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great to hear, Smithy. It's Kempe here. Um, what's the one thing that you want to insert in that side before you head off to the World Cup? Well, g'day, Tony. Um, yeah, well, as Izzy will tell you, I'm pretty weird. <laughs> <You know? laughs> What's your you theme? Weird, What's your I, theme? I, yeah. I, do, I do a lot of I do a lot of different things. Um, you know, I grew up coaching in um, in Italy, so you're bound to be slightly different, aren't you? So um, yeah. I think think for me, 
um, I've never really followed the herd, you know, and, and looking at the the games from the end of year tour with the Black Ferns, um, we've got to do stuff differently, you know. We've um, we've got to change the game. Um, we've got to be prepared to play. One thing I've seen with the girls is that they're so dedicated to doing things right and they want so much detail that sometimes um, they're, they're scared of making mistakes. Mm. Whereas, yeah. um, you know, if you're doing game-based learning and you're making the, the training difficult and you're putting them under pressure, then mistakes are actually a catalyst for learning. So you can't... Now, if you're not making mistakes in our trainings, then um, unless you're Izzy, you know, never made mistakes. But if you're not making mistakes in our in our setup, then the training's not hard enough, or you, or you're not bold enough to have a crack. So, so that's something that I'm going to be trying to work on, and um, hopefully it'll be exhilarating, the sort of game that we play. Um, but we'll see. I like I've only had a week, so it's hard to get a real feel for it. But certainly excited about having a crack at it. Yeah, I had a good chat with Chelsea Alley about it, and I said, look, one thing you'll you'll get from from Smithy is trainings will be ten times harder than any tough test match that you've played. And uh, when it comes to the game time, at the time, Smithy, I was thinking, man, this is ridiculous. But then you get to Saturday, and that's the fun time, and you've prepared for every what if that is going to be thrown at you, and that is the detail that you provide, and that is why you've been so successful, I must say. Um, Smithy, with what you've been able to see over in the UK and, and particularly with England and, and the kind of, you know, the, 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 the separation from either sides over in the UK, what, what would be the biggest um, area of, of improvement that you would love to see from, from the girls if they're able to compete come the end of the year against the, the UK sides? Well, I think the big gap um, between us and England and France is simply professionalism. You know, the, the English girls have been professional for, fully professional, I think, for about three years. Um, the French, something similar. So um, there's bound to be a big difference in terms of um, physical fitness, strength, power, all that sort of stuff when you're training all day and every day. Remember, our girls have been like I was probably back in my time when you worked, you got kids. Mm. Um, we, we trained at night. They'll train at night. You know, and it's, it's a way more difficult um, life and it's um, more difficult to get to those same conditioning thresholds. So um, I think that's that's probably the biggest difference. So they're well ahead in that area. We've got 215 days or something, 14 days before a World Cup final. So we've got time. Um, we've just got to create a, an attitude and a commitment to it that um, helps us catch up to, to those teams that have been fully professional for longer. Hey, Smithy, just on that, you know, you've obviously worked it all out 214 days before the World Cup final. Uh, for me, probably three points that you make there. In those 214 days, what are the key elements um, within your team culture, within your, uh, with, with knowing that there's a lack of professionalism around the team, and then creating that winning chance, um, I guess, first of all, to get to the semis before final? Um, yeah, so selection's going to be key, and uh, there are some complexities there. Hey, and the other thing, I don't know if it is 10 or 14 days, I just threw that figure in, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's, Got time. Um, there are complexities around 
um, selection because some of the girls, some of the players that the whole country know well, the Portia Woodmans, Stacey Flulers, Sarah Hirani, Tyler Nathan Wong, um, Kelly Brazier, those girls, they play sevens as well, so they've got a Commonwealth Games um, coming up, mm. and there's also a World Cup sevens this year. Um, I understand that Rugby World Cup 15s, women's 15s, that's what I'm involved in, is top priority for New Zealand Rugby Union, but you're still going to have to allow for, for girls to to play both sports and then um, switch over pretty late. So I think that's, that's one thing that's going to be an issue. Um, other than that, uh, as I said before, they're, they're really keen. Um, they're hugely interested. They like new information. They like detail. Um, so I think we've, we've just got to put in a, a program not too different to what we're doing in the All Blacks. You know, Graham Henry's um, going to be with us and overseeing things. Um, there's good coaching staff. Um, got got a got a really good good specific staff. You know, in terms of nutrition and and strength and conditioning and that sort of stuff. So there's no reason why we can't put a put a really top class program in place and and develop this this team. But as I say, we've only just started, so got a wee way to go. Hey, Smithy, may I ask, like, you've, you've retired more than Conor McGregor, and I can understand why. <laughs> you, you've got so much time in the game, but you're constantly finding the love. And what, what was it about this challenge that really excited you, to, to come out from your, from your beach house, your mansion with Trish on the, on the ocean side, and, and come out and, and have a wee crack at this? What was, what was the main reason why? Well, I was, I was going to um, why he to catch up with Mark Robinson, you know, CEO of New Zealand Rugby, on early January, I think it was. And um, yep. he was in Whangamata, so it was halfway. Uh, on the way there, I was thinking about, I think I'll offer my services to the Black Ferns because I'd seen them play on tour, saw the big difference yep. in quality. And um, I've just got a little story around um, when I was a young player down in Canterbury, um, a guy called Laurie O'Reilly, who was a top family lawyer, one of the top in the country, and became commissioner for children. He was my he became my coaching mentor. He was a great rugby coach um, for university, and he was really involved in women's rugby. Um, so he got me involved at a young age. Um, I had uh, when I finished playing and I became director of coaching for Canterbury. Um, I had a group of staff coaches, and three of them were women, women players: um, Jackie Apiata, Natasha Wong and Mary Davey, who helped me run coaching courses and that sort of thing. So I had an involvement from, from an early time. And, I, and, and then Laurie, Laurie passed away really sadly at the age of 55 from terminal cancer. And he was a big loss to me and to women's rugby. Um, I actually got to speak at his funeral three, day, uh, three weeks before he died at the casino. And I think he wanted to check what we were going to say about him. He was that, he was that sort of character. <laughs> So going to this meeting with Mark, I thought, yeah, this would be a really good tribute to me, to my old mate, Laurie O'Reilly. So um, that's what I did. I said, look, I'll, I'll be interested in, in um, helping out if, if that's what you want. Nice. Nice, mate. Well, I, I think they'll be really uh, happy. I know particularly with Chelsea Ellie when, when she heard the news that you were coming on, they were really excited, mate. And uh, 
I uh, know everyone speaks really high of you, but I've only got nothing but good things to say about your success. And there's only a reason is you're so passionate and you love the game of rugby, and I can only see them doing extremely well from this. Um, Smithy, we're going to let you go and get back to your retirement life. What are you up to for the rest of the rest of the week, mate? I know you don't switch off, but what, what are you doing in your spare time when, you, when you're away from the footy field, mate? Um, footy. Like, <laughs> I, knew, I knew sort of... I know. I really, I knew, I, I knew a week before we joined camp what my role was going to yeah. be, and, um, you know, I've got a lot of work to do to catch up. Um, but next Monday, next Tuesday... Ted and I have a heli fishing trip to Great Barrier Island for the day. So, um, who's taking oh, who's taking you out, Smithy? Do you know the guys who are taking you out? I know a few of those boys. No, no, I don't. I hope they're good. Yeah. Oh well, you'll, you'll enjoy it. Take your surfboard, mate, <laughs> if you live by the coast. Hey, before you do go, I do want to ask. I know coaches get to do this quite often and call the boys into the room after something they've done wrong. What was that one for Izzy when you had to call him <laughs> in and say, "Mate, I need to talk to you about this." What was it? Um, no, my, as I said, I'm slightly different, I think, Tony. So the first thing I asked him, I think, was what he was good at. And Jeez, he would have given you a list, half, wouldn't he? Well, after <laughs> half an hour, we got on to a couple of things that he needed to work on. <laughs> Beautiful. No, he, oh, was, uh, no, he was exceptional, mate. He was exceptional to coach. Um, best player in the world for a while, wasn't he? Is he? And... No, he's, a, he's a great man ever in the team, that's for sure. I'm sure you find is. that, Tony. Oh, yeah. certainly. Certainly love. I love the bloke. I just don't like what he wears, yeah. that's all. <laughs> <laughs> at least he hasn't got any oh, facial hair at the moment. <laughs> no, he hasn't oh, got a princess don't get me started. <laughs> you've seen the You've seen the new crop. You like the new crop because it was horrible when I was running around in your team, uh, Smelly. But anyway, uh-huh. we won't talk about that. Yeah, there's more of it anyway. <laughs> hey, uh, <laughs> There is, there is a lot more. There is a lot more, mate. Hey, thanks very much, Smithy, for coming on the show and and give my love to Trish and and enjoy the next couple of months. And uh, yeah, good luck. We'll be watching with interest to see uh, what you'll be able to instill into the Black Ferns. Thanks very much, Smithy. Thanks, guys. Cheers. See ya. Oh, yeah, you were, cr- you were cringing coach, in hey? that chair. You were cringing right. in that chair. <laughs> oh, look, honestly, he's he's Smith, He's an absolute champ, and and he's only like a WhatsApp text away. But still, you just just that voice. Hey, when he talks, you're just like on the edge of your chair, and you're you're in his room, and he's got like a you know the, uh, he's got about three trees on the wall. He's cut down that many trees to put all these uh, white pieces of paper through the wall. You've got colourings. <laughs> you've got all these numbers. You've got all these things. It's like um, you know, Einstein's room, and and it's it's pretty crazy. But he is just an absolute magician. And he, his ability to get the best out of everyone. Like, you never want to let Smithy down, ever. I, I loved what he and, said, you know, like, change, change the game, prepared to play, dedication. Um, you know, they seem to, like a lot of Pacifica people, um, get scared of making mistakes. And what he said about the training and being bold enough to, to train that way so it becomes normal. Um, mate, it is a breath of fresh air. It's such a con- contrast when you're talking to him, is he? Because when you talk to him, you talked to him as an all-black coach. When I talked to him, it was when I watched him run around the number 10 for Canterbury back in the day when I was yeah. playing first 15, you know what I mean? And then for, obviously, the all-blacks and um, all that sort of stuff. So, mate, love talking to him.
Yeah, legend. Absolute legend of the game. Uh, and he's a loyalist to rugby. He's a rugby man through and through offering. And that's a great anecdote about Laurie O'Reilly as well. Uh, he's a legend, a great mm. New Zealander who will have a legacy or has a legacy for a number of reasons. Women's rugby, one of them, but his work as the children's commissioner, is he? It's pretty incredible. Mate, I'm not surprised he's going back and giving back to the Black Ferns. Like, he does so much for so many foundations, so many people around the country. He actually does. Uh, a lot of work for the New Zealand Foundation for Cognitive Education. His younger son, or his son Josh, has actually got cerebral palsy, and um, he does a real lot of work for them and just always giving back, buying time. Goes to a lot of auctions, gives up jerseys, memorabilia. Mate, he is just constantly giving back, and uh, he's an absolute champion. So, yeah, it's <laughs> still the coach, eh? I was pretty... We uh, had to sit on the end of my seat when I was talking to him. And <laughs> yes, Smithy. Yes, Smithy. He, he, <laughs> he had your back. He didn't want to rat you out. Unlike the bloke that's coming up after this, and it's not Joey in the kitchen. Paul Moati, <laughs> live from Petoni. Izzy, you will want to be here for this one because you, you keep saying you want stories about Kempi. I think Bruce, 8 till 9 on Friday, will be story central. We're going to be in Cambridge. <laughs> <laughs> the reason we're going to be in Cambridge <laughs> is because the race by Grins is only two sleeps away at Cambridge Raceway, and with the three for Joe, and with the <laughs> 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 we even nap on the way down there, and with the draw completed, the excitement is well, it's palpable. Team, the only mare in the race is Stylish Memphis, and she's got the best draw because she's the, the mare, so a little bit of a leg up there, preferential draw. So she's going to have the pigs. Trainer Jack Trainer, he holds the key, one of the keys to the race, I would say, because who gets the all-important lead is going to be crucial when they hit the post for the last time. Jack is a Kiwi. He's from Dunedin and spent a bit of time at Christchurch, and then he's been in Australia, and he trains stylish Memphis. He drives her, and he is on the line this morning. Jack, how excited are you a couple of days out from the race? Yeah, um, g'day guys, thanks for having me on, and um, yeah, I'm really excited, I obviously I can't wait to get involved, and um, yeah, just really, really privileged to be able to um, bring such a good mirror over back to my home country and be a part of such a historic moment. It is, it is, and it mm. feels like a historic moment, so I'm glad that, is that what the trainers and the drivers that are involved with us, are you guys, is it is the fizz real, not just because it's $900,000, but because it's something a bit different? Yeah, definitely, I think, um, obviously, uh, with the horse racing, you know, most most people, obviously, the money's great and it's what we keep us all doing it. But um, just the prestigiousness of being a part of a race like this is um, something that helps get you out of bed in the morning and make sure that all the one percenters are done right. And, yeah, it's definitely a major part of this race for sure. Hey, Jack, Jack biggest um, threat? Oh, well, the, I've run the race through my head a hundred times and I've come up with a hundred <laughs> different winners and different scenarios. So I think that's what makes this race so good is with the barrier draw, the, no doubt the best horse being self-assured. He's got the hardest draw and he's going to have to put in the biggest run, but it'd be hard to say mm. that anything else is the biggest threat with him in the field. He's just such a great horse. And um, yeah, even from the wide gate, I'm not treating him lightly at all. Mate, well, what are, hey, uh, Jack, is he here, mate? Uh, what is the difference between uh, the hardest racing in New Zealand, uh, in Australia, compared to New Zealand? Have you noticed anything different from from being here? Um, yeah, probably. It's probably just probably the aggressiveness, I suppose. A lot of the Australian racing mm. is done over the short journey, and um, it seems to be a matter of you. You sort of are a bit more tendent to be more aggressive out the gate to get a forward spot. Um, as obviously you don't have much time in between to make a, a move mm. and 
So tactics probably aren't as strong in Australia where New Zealand racing still seems to be very tactical. And, um, yeah, it's just mm. something that I'm looking forward to coming back to the old style of racing. And, um, yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, but, Jack, on that, yeah. you say you've run the race 100 times in your head. Do you think it's going to be the old style? Well, because there's a few of you, when you're a Kiwi, but we'll call you an Aussie bloke for this purpose, a few of you Aussie crew out <laughs> there, and there's that natural aggressive aggressive Aussie pressure drive, and then you've got Brent Mangos, who, remember what he used to be like, he'd t- arch the back and take anyone on. Do you think that over 2,200 metres we might get some fireworks over the first 600? Yeah, I'd say so, and um, yeah, you could... Mango being in the race is a big help for everyone. You'd swear he is an Aussie, but um, yeah, <laughs> it, 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 I, I don't think it's going to be a pedestrian style race. This one is too much up for grabs, and um, and the way the barriers have drawn, some of those speedsters, Ben Orlando and Matt Dan, uh, are obviously going to use their gate speed. So I, I think it will be a, a fastly run and aggressive race the whole way through. And like I said, I just can't wait to get a part of it. This, the slot race, Jack, do you think, um, obviously we all, we all think it's a great thing that they've, they've uh, done for harness racing. Um, just give us a, a thought of what the Australians think of it, um, being here in Cambridge in New Zealand. Yeah, it's, um, it's obviously a credit to the club and harness racing New Zealand to, to be able to pull something like this off. And it's, it's a lot of talk about it in Australia too. And I'm sure um, with Cambridge leading the way, I'm sure it won't be long at all until Australia jumps on board with the same sort of concept. It's exciting. It, um, yeah, it brings all different parties to the race, whether you're a slot holder, an owner, a trainer. And, um, yeah, obviously, in, in what it's done, it's, it's brought all some of the best, if not the best, horses in Australasia all to one race. And, yeah, I know I can speak um, that in Australia, it's all, every bit as a bigger deal as what it is over here. So um, something that, you know, Harness Racing in New Zealand and Cambridge should be really proud of. I think they've led the pack, and I'm sure there'll be plenty to fly. Hey, mate, apart from David, Anton, John T, Caroline, Brett, Scott, Jason, who are a part of the self-assured team, if it gets up, they win some money. Apart from them, tell our listeners why Style of Memphis can get the job done. Yeah, well, obviously the draw is just a major help for her, and um, so I'm hopefully yeah. I'm not going to have to go around a single horse and uh, the draw definitely puts her in the race, and, and I just know that she's a mare that can follow any sort of speed, and, and she's actually better coming off a hot speed. So if some of the, the big guns have to do too much work or, or they don't get time for a break and, and I'm just covered away up on the fence somewhere doing no work, I know that she will um, run home and she'll still you know put in a, put it in a devastating sprint. So that's my biggest chance is that other people, other, the others have to do too much and I don't have to do anything, but... Mm. Um, yeah, like I said, win, lose, or draw tomorrow. We're just really happy to be a part of this race, and yeah, I can't wait. I'd just like to apologise uh, on behalf of my colleagues for the loudness that's going to be there race side uh, <laughs> during the race. You got Tony Kemp, you got Joey Bow, who's going to get well annihilated on the way there, and then you got <laughs> Louis Herman Watts. So apologies for the for the loudness from <laughs> no, the SCNZ crew. Don't don't you don't need to you don't need to apologise because we'll share a beer with Jack afterwards and we'll do it ourselves when self assured wins. Nice. Jack, um, can you just uh, like <laughs> and, and you know if some of that pace does come early. Don't, don't be afraid to just kick up, mate. Just keep that pace real genuine for us. Make sure make sure there's a bit of speed on. Um, obviously, I wouldn't be telling you how to do your job, though. Mate, uh, <laughs> no way at all. Now, 
Australia opens up today. The Aussies can come to New Zealand. There's emotional scenes at the airport as we speak. Our owner, Gene Feast, or the owner of Self Assured, is coming over. So that's great. This whole event is awesome, Jack. I think it could be the Karaka Million of races here in harness racing in New Zealand if they get it right. And I think you should be very proud to be involved with it, mate. And we'll see you tomorrow night. So all the best. Hopefully you get some sleep tonight mm. and you don't uh, take the race through another thousand times in your head so you can just have a bit of a chill out. And uh, good luck for tomorrow. Yeah, no, thanks very much, guys. I appreciate it. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.